Next, I'd like to introduce. Throw your hands in the air if you're a true player. What can I say about my brother Daniel that hasn't already been said dozens of times in police reports? That boy is good. Good and terrible. You hold your breath when Shaquille O'Neal comes careening into your lap. Well, he's going to give a special greeting to Daniel Baldwin right here. Davis brothers should have a boxing match against the Baldwin brothers. Really? We'll take them out in the first round. Who would you take on? Youngest, I'd medium, old. On all three of them, actually. I, now that I really think, yeah, I wouldn't need any help. I think you two dudes are going to become real homies. Where do we find these guys? Oh man, I hate those guys. This is a special presentation, the Daniel Baldwin Show. Hello, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Back by popular demand. There he is. Welcome to the Daniel Baldwin Show, Josh. What's happening? What's happening, toothless Danny B? You knocked a tooth out on I the did, way in. I did. On the way in, I ate some African peanut brittle, and as a diabetic, I'm not supposed to be eating that, Uh-oh. so I paid by trying to pull a piece of it out of lodged in my bottom tooth. And it didn't just come with the African peanut brittle in my fingernail. So did a chunk of my tooth. Is it in pain? Are you... Can you go on, Daniel Baldwin? <laughs> Operatics pain. Uh, 315-437-7644. ESPN 44. And of course, the text line, 315-288-0644 on Twitter, at ESPN Syracuse. And of course, I think the biggest thing to bring up, Danny Baldwin... Well, the Yankees go down four to zip in game seven. Here's a call at the very end of game seven. McCullers is one out away from his first career save. The Astros are one out away from their first AL pennant. Bird into center. Springer says he's got it. The Houston Astros win the pennant. They're a tough team to beat in Houston. They are, we knew that going into it. We, we did know that. We did know that. And, and it played out the way the home and away uh, field advantage is supposed to play out. You get four games at home, and you win those, and you win the series. So, uh, you know, I, I, there's a few things. I, I, when you don't score any runs, you can't expect to win the game. So that's number one. I think Morton, you know, there was rumor that they were going to pull him from the rotation, the natural rotation of the team, because they had gotten the best of him multiple times. So... Uh, you know, he comes through and pitches and does a really, really spectacular job. My my hat is off to him. Uh, you know, he he throws a three-hit shutout for the time that he was in there. I got to say, though, one of the, you know, if I look back at it, it's easy to play, you know, armchair quarterback here or, or the substitute coach that's not under pressure. But, you know, C.C. Sabathia goes into the game. You know, he's the guy who hasn't lost a game, you know, in postseason. He's 10-0. He goes and he pitches three and a third innings. Now, granted, his ball count was high, but it was nothing he needed to see a urologist about. You know, he, <laughs> he, he was he 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 threw more balls than he did than he did strikes, and he was a bit wild. He put a lot of guys on base, but he only let up one run. And this is a guy who has the experience. I I, I have to question a little bit taking him out of the game. Thoughts? Um, I think yeah, I think it was premature. Uh, what what you had said, I think it's premature. 
Yeah, I, I, I was when that happened. I was actually at the Our Lady Peace concert. Yeah, running, we both were. Yeah, we were both there, <laughs> yeah, taking our job seriously Very out there. Se- well, now we've blown all credibility, Daniel Baldwin. No, it doesn't. I had it on my phone playing while I was listening to the music. Oh, how nice. Um, so, so uh, you know, when I saw that they pulled him and he'd only let up one run, I thought, oh no, you know that 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 might be a little early to do that. And sure enough, you know, they got the best of relief pitching and the and the rest is history. Um, you know, so now the question becomes uh, the argument that we presented early on in the shows, which is, what do we do? Is Joe Girardi, uh, is he a lock? Is he a lock to be the Yankee skipper? If, he, if Should he accept the contract? Are they calling for his head? I don't think anyone's calling for his head in Game 7. I don't think there was any, you know, you know New York fans traditionally, you know, they, they can ask for your head quickly. Just look out for Eli Manning in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but. No, I don't think he did anything that was horrendous. I mean, again, you can look back at it, and we don't know what CC was saying to him when he went out to the mound either. He might have said, "Hey, I'm getting tired," you know, or mm-hmm. or whatever it is. So, or he didn't have his crisp his crisp stuff, you know, because the catcher also complained to that by giving the look over and him going, "He's slowing down," you know. So, I, I don't know what went on. I'm not privy to those conversations. Obviously, I just look at it thinking you're going with your horse, the guy who you know is the most dominant on the team. Three and a third innings is not a big a big outing for CC. So. Uh, but he he was a bit wild in, in his strike versus ball percentages. So I guess that uh, Joe thought he had to go, and uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. I think Joe Girardi at this point, it's kind of it's on his back now. He gets to look at it and say, "All right, now we got to game seven. If they offer him a contract, like we said last week, is it going to be one of those one year jobbers? Is it going to be kind of a year by year thing, or does he just kind of walk away from it?" You know, I liked your theory that if he was going to walk away, he walked away because they won it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I, yeah, I, yeah, th- yeah. That I could have seen as an easy out. Hey, we did it again. We're out of here. But he, here's here's my analogy. Take a look at Penn State this weekend in football. And they play Michigan, and they just rolled on them. I mean, they rolled on them. Mm-hmm. They, they, they beat Michigan up. Is Jimmy Harbaugh, after after having put it, implementing his system there, is he going to take that if he loses a couple more games and walk away from Michigan? No, he's he hasn't got to see the team that he built. He's going to be around for five or six more years for sure because he wants to see what happens. Same as same as the Syracuse coach because he loses on the road to number eight Miami after beating the number two team in the nation. Is he going to turn around? No, he wants to see his team that he built. I think the same thing is said for Joe. I think that Girardi has built this team, and they're poised right now to make a run for several years. I mean, this is this was a team that was not expected to go to Game Seven in the NLCS or, or the ALCS. So, you know, I, no, I, I I don't think I think he has to come back. I think that that uh, you would have to have him say, "I don't want to be here" for that to happen. MVP Justin Verlander, do you think that that was a, kind of a nail in the coffin as well? They go down to Houston and Verlander's back on the mound? Yeah, I mean, he, he had great stuff, and, he, and he's he's pitched really, really well. It should be an interesting series. I mean, it's also one of those, um, you know, who cares series to me. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, but, but I'll say this. Because of the situation in Houston and, 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 and what that city could use, I would like to see Houston win the series. I really would. I think that uh, they have been devastated, you know, from the flooding and, and the problems that they had there. So this would be a great pick-me-up for morale in the city. Uh, you know, not that Los Angeles and California hasn't had some terrible fires and everything, but that was north of them. So if it was, you know, the the Giants, I would I might be rooting for them. But 
Daniel Baldwin Show here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Let's ask the hypothetical. Let's ask it to the listeners as well. You guys can get involved. 315-288-0644. That is the ESPN Radio text line. Say Girardi walks because, you know, the stories out now are saying, does he walk? Will he be back? Let's say he walks. Who comes in? Is that a Don Mattingly uh, uh, opening? Is that something that he takes on? I vote for Billy Martin. <laughs> Billy Martin comes I, in. I vote right. for Billy Martin. Come back, Billy. Absolutely. Uh, you, you know, I, I, Mattingly's on the short list, I understand, for Jeter down with the Marlins. Yeah, so. Miami has... Well, my, Jeter has a couple options right now. So, if you look at the Miami Marlins, he wants somebody that he's got rapport with. That would be Joe Girardi. He could bring Joe in. And then Don Mattingly go to New York. Or... Girardi stay in New York and Mattingly go to go to Miami. I mean, it's it can go either way. I I, I don't see it. I think uh, uh, first of all, I still think Girardi's going to come back for a series of one year options. Probably would be the smartest move for him. I think he has aspirations to get in the booth, uh, or or he might just walk away from all of it. I don't know what his personal needs are, but I don't see Girardi not being rehired and being replaced by Mattingly. I see Girardi, if that was to happen, it would be because Girardi does not want to coach anymore. That That's the only scenario by which I see. And then would it be Don Mattingly? That would be a great fit. You know, a, a Yankee captain, a legend. Uh, and, and, you know, for him, there was that last season that they had a little run and lost in Seattle, the first time he had ever been in the playoffs. I mean, that's... Don Mattingly never played in the playoffs except for his last season for the New York Yankees. So to have him come back as the skipper and poised to go to multiple World Series over the course of the next five seasons or more, um, that would be a great uh, ta-da for him. You know, I mean, I, I, would, I would love to see that, but uh, it's Girardi's to turn down, I think. New York Post headline, could Joe Girardi really walk away from all this? ESPN.com reporting Joe Girardi mum on future as New York Yankees manager. And uh, even Syracuse.com writing, New York Yankees turn towards 2018. Will Girardi be back as manager? There is no real answers happening as far as the think, Yankees go. Do you think he's playing the cards close to his vest right now because he he knows how good they are and he wants more money? I, th- I think he knows how good they are and I think he knows how good they'll be next year. Yeah. I think that that's kind of, if he stays, he's got a great team next year. For and if sure. he can get some money out of it, of course he wants to. Yeah, I, th- I think he's being quiet right now because he wants to build the illusion that he might actually be you know, taking on um, other options, and I, I, don't, I don't see it. And does Steinbrenner look at it and say, I don't know if we could bring a new guy in right now and kind of shake it all up? I mean, you're going to shake up the whole team if you bring somebody new in right now. Well, you know, if you bring in Manningly, uh, one of the things that would um, soften the blow as far as the players concerned would be to be be bringing in a guy like Don Mattingly. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's soft spoken. Uh, he's very, very well respected. So I, you know, I see that as a pretty smooth transition for the team. Um, as far as his coaching style, I haven't seen Don Mattingly be the manager of a baseball team, so I don't know what that looks like really. But I, I, he's pretty knowledgeable about the game and was a fine player in his time himself. So I imagine that he's going to probably be a fine manager. And it would be much smoother transition to have somebody like a Yankee captain come in. The players will respect that immediately. Do you watch an Astros-Dodgers uh, World Series? Or is oh, it no interest to you? Only if Our Lady Peace is playing. Oh, that was so good, Hey-o! Daniel. Daniel and I went to a concert. We uh, we both were at the same show. Did not see each other. 
We do By not request, we do, not, we do not mingle outside of this room. We try not to, mm-hmm. to keep it fresh, but we did. We went to a Del Lago and watched that show. Actually, I went to go say hi to Josh. There was a long line of young, hot girls. That's just how it goes. And they, and yeah. they, and they were lined up. And they were lined up. And I, you know, I, I didn't have the right wig on or the accoutrements <laughs> in order to qualify for this line. So uh, I had to bow down. Well, we will take your calls, obviously, for ESPN 44 or on the text line 288-0644 at ESPN Syracuse on Twitter. Of course, wrapping up the Yankees season here for us. Looking forward to 2018. We will come back, talk SU football, a game that kind of overlapped our Yankees. If you were kind of watching the end of the uh, the football, the Cuse-Miami game, you were also going to miss the beginning of your uh, Game 7. So we'll come back, talk all of that next. You're listening to the Daniel Baldwin Show here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Hummel's Office Plus and Dunn Tire are proud supporters of Syracuse football coverage on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is Stu Gatz and you are listening to ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is a special presentation, The Daniel Baldwin Show. ESPN Radio Syracuse, the Daniel Baldwin Show is live on the air, at ESPN Syracuse on Twitter, and of course, 315-288-0644 is that text line. Real quick before we move on to SU Miami, I wanted uh, Daniel to hear this. This is getting a lot of circulation on the internet. It's Tim Tebow's motivational speech to Tennessee before the Alabama game. You step up and let one thing define you. That's your effort. That's how much you care. Because in this game, Alabama's better than you. But let me tell you one thing that you better that they better not be better at you then. And that's called heart. It's called courage. It's called how much you care. Everybody wants to talk about discipline and hard work and all these things. I don't believe in them. Because when you care about something, that's what makes you get up and work. That's what makes you have discipline. So in this game, don't flinch. Don't be scared of Alabama. Don't be scared of T-Town. Don't be scared of their titles. You walk into that stadium and you play with your brothers. You fight. And guess what? That's going to be enough. Because right now, I believe in being humble and understanding where your blessings come from. But in this game, it's about time. You have some pride. You take some pride in the T because Peerless Price ain't coming back. Paid Manning ain't, ain't coming back. T Martin ain't coming back. You need to have someone step up and have leadership and get the job done. Say it. It's about time you had pride in Tennessee. Let's Are go. You? Random. Man. He wasn't at Tennessee. It was on TV. He was on TV doing, I guess, the pregame. Click that right there for me. What was he doing? He, uh,. Yeah, he was on TV before the matchup. Now, I guessed... Was that sponsored by Red Bull? I don't know who that was sponsored by. <laughs> the speech it was it was kind of adorable. <laughs> uh, Tennessee lost 45-7. to yeah, so, so isn't it interesting, the dichotomy of sports? Mm-hmm. Because you've got that rousing, motivational speech by Tim... And all I think about during listening to it was, we talking about practice? We talking about practice? We talking about practice? Playoffs? Yeah, you no, know, all I mean, of that. Two, two very, very diametrically different attitudes towards the game right there. But just a little more south, our well, now 4-4 so, four and four Syracuse played an undefeated Miami. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, whew, uh, number eight on the road, you know, 27-19, as the great one predicted. 
take the 17 and run. And, of course, the great one was right again. As always. Syracuse covers with the spread, but we lose the game. Now, we're deep into the game. We're in the second half, and we actually pull up side by side with these guys, and it looks like there's a shot. And I'll tell you what, the difference between consistently being at that level of, you know, yes, we did beat Clemson, and, and yes, we've proven we can on any given Saturday, Sunday, Friday, whatever the game is, we can play with the best. But to do it all the time, you watch Miami just go right down the field and score. I mean, you know, they, they just had that other gear. And I think the two things jump out at me most. You just do the quarterback comparison. Rozier throws for 344 yards and two TDs, and Dungy is 13 of 41 for 137 yards and four interceptions. There's your ball game right there. Four interceptions. Because you have to look at each time that that you lose the ball on a turnover as a potential scoring opportunity for yourself. And did the other team turn those lost opportunities into points? And twice they did. So, um, you know, there's the difference in the game. And uh, Dungy looked a little banged up to me. He looked banged up at the end, and he really put on a display of athleticism. He was, There was one, I don't know if you saw the play, where he drop-kicked a Miami defender trying to do a hurdle thing. Yeah. If you look at a lot of these games, Dungy is carrying a good amount of the team on his back, and I think that's probably going to have its toll on him. I think this bye week is necessary. Well, this is what I said when they beat Clemson and people saw how gifted and athletic this guy was and is. Um, you know, it reminds me of looking at the feats of Orenthal James Simpson and, and a Jim Brown when you got ready for that team. You, you All 11 guys were going, where's O.J.? I mean, they weren't worried about Ferguson throwing the ball downfield. They were, right. They teed up on OJ, and he still did the things he did. Same for Jim Brown. Jim Brown was a one-man wrecking crew, and so when he ran the ball and ran for over a hundred yards, man, I got to tell you something. That was something when, because everyone checked him first before they went to any other option, and they tackled him even when he didn't have the ball in case he had it. So uh, the same thing I think has happened to Syracuse. Miami knew. They had to focus on putting heat on Dungy and make him use his athleticism in order to beat them, and it wasn't enough on this particular day. The great thing that we have to look forward to is a bye week. I think they really needed this week off. I think they have uh, you know, another real gut check going on the road into Florida State, but this week off will rest them. It looked like Dungy had actually hurt his rib cage. He was holding his side coming mm-hmm. out of the game in the fourth quarter. So, And that's one of those things where you just don't want helmets to hit that now. For you know, If he gets a couple of weeks, which he has before he has to go out there again and potentially get beat up, um, you know, I, I think that's a, a great thing, good timing for Syracuse to have a bye week. Now the question is, what happens when you roll into Florida State? And don't don't be delusioned to think that going up against a, a, a mediocre by, by usual reputation Florida State, that this is any easy feat for Syracuse. Winning on the road in Florida State for any team is going to be a really, really tough, tough road ahead. And as I said in our earlier shows, um, they must steal one of these three games. So one of them's gone now, so Miami's gone. They have to win against Florida State, or they have to win against Louisville at least. So they come out of there one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't do that, then uh, I don't like the proposition for because they're going to beat Wake and they're going to beat Boston College, I believe. So they've got to get one more, and uh, it's going to have to be one of the two. I predicted that I thought that they could beat Louisville more easily than they can against a Florida State. Florida State's going to be ravenous. But, again, look for it to be a close game. Um, and Syracuse definitely has uh, more than than a good shot at beating them. So then, what's going ahead now? You got a four and four Syracuse. You got uh, bowl contention. If you've got Florida State and Louisville both on the road, 
Then you got Wake Forest and, and Boston College at home. Like you said, you got to seal one of those road games. Well, I believe six puts them in a bowl, no? Six is the magic six number. Six is yeah. the magic number. So let's take a look at what that means, really. So if they win the two games that we think that they're going to win, that they have to win. So so they beat Wake and they beat BC. If they do that and they end up six and six mm-hmm. and they lose both the other games, they're going to go to the mommy's not sure she wants to have a baby bowl. You know? So. <laughs> You know, yeah, and that's going to be in Dubuque. And yeah, it's, it's going to be covered on uh, NSPN. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, so but if they were to win one of these other two games and come in seven and five, having defeated nationally ranked teams, uh, is, is Florida State in the top twenty-five? I believe they are. I think they're like twenty-five or twenty. No, they might be it. like twenty-eight. Um, but but again, it's a win against Florida State or a win against Louisville. Two two programs that have been in high in the rankings in the last ten years for sure. Florida State for decades, um, you know that would that gives them a little bit more prestige to go to a bigger bowl game to play against somebody that matters and to play on television. So you know uh, that's a big thing too for 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 Dino. You know for when you have a team and you can turn around and call recruits up. And have people call them and say, "Hey, watch us! You know, against Iowa State this mm-hmm. week, we're going to be we're going to come out with all cylinders clicking and blah." blah. And that's a big, big difference for recruiting, uh, um, um, trying to attract kids to come to the school. When you play in bowl games that are nationally televised, and they're not nationally televised at four o'clock in the morning on a repeat, <laughs> you know that that's that that's a big thing to say. You know, so um, if they win one of those two games and win the two the two games they should win, I think they go to a better just based on beating Clemson and. Based on whether or not they upset Florida State, they're uh, already two touchdown underdogs in this game. That's the opening line. So people are, you know, the, the odds makers who are, believe it or not, usually pretty accurate. You know, within a t- within a touchdown, have them underdogs by two touchdowns after beating number two. So you know, if you look at the the, the breakdown right now, take the Middle Tennessee game out of it because whatever, they have not lost at home and they have not won on the road so far this season. Yeah, they've won everything at home and they've lost everything on the road. Well, so you, that would put two more wins at home, and then your two losses on the road. Well, that's why, I, like as I said, listen, if they had gone into Miami and they got blown out, mm-hmm. I would be much more worried about what they could do on the road. They've been in the games on the road. They hung with them, you know. So, so that's that's a good sign. And at one point in the fourth quarter, they pulled alongside them. You know, I mean, yeah. it was it was a, I think a one point game. So you know, they were or they were within within a score to to win the game. And then they kind of rolled over a little bit. So, you know, uh, look for them to be competitive in Florida State because they have a week off, too. I think you have to be optimistic about this team because if you look, 35-26 at LSU, they're in New Orleans and they play a game that close. You've got 27-19 this past weekend. NC State, 33-25. These are not blowouts. No. These are games where they are playing... Real close football. One turnover less, you know, against Miami, and we're in a whole different game. They turn one of the turnovers into a touchdown. That's seven for them. Take seven off the score. Now we're and, and make it so that Syracuse scores one more touchdown. We win the game. Mm-hmm. So it was one possession. So you know, one turnover, one possession games. Those are those are good credits to have to your to your name when you're playing a top ten team on the road. Yeah. So so I don't look at it as as a, a bad thing that happened. They were expected to lose. They were expected to lose. They were not home. If they had played Clemson on the road, do you think that that would have been a 27-24 win? Absolutely not. The, the Syracuse fans were awesome in that game. They were loud. You know, again, you're talking about 19, 20, 21-year-old athletes. And I said in going into that game, if they give a couple of touchdowns up in the first half, 
We don't know what Clemson's going to do mm-hmm. under the gun. We don't know what these young kids, how they're going to respond to deafening sea of orange, you know, going crazy and berserk on them and not being able to hear audibles being called by a quarterback and so on. And sure enough, it worked. So we have to be able to do that and, and do better than just staying in the game, being competitive. We've got to win. So th- here lies the weird pressure of saying that you're building the program. So Dino's a coach. It's been here a couple of seasons. You know, now, now he is. He is truly building a program. The expectation when you come in seven and five or six and six is that you're going to win eight or nine next year. Yeah. You know, so the pressure really falls on them as a team, as an organization and a coaching staff going into next year. You cannot lose the Middle Tennessee games. And you have to also, you've got to steal one of the North Carolina State games. You know, you've got to improve by those two or three games. So, Really, when you look at it, they're going to go to a bowl game. They're mm-hmm. going to, they're definitely going to be win six games. So the question is, what bowl game do they do, and how do we turn that into players three years from now? And what's interesting too is uh, we were joking about this off air, but after the Clemson win, it's rah rah football, rah rah football. After the Miami loss, it's when does basketball start? Not only is it when does basketball start on Twitter. One of the Syracuse sites comes out with a poll. How many wins do you think Syracuse University basketball will have? And it was, you know, 30-plus was one choice. 20 to 30 was the second choice. 10 to 20 or under 10. Yeah. And so, so, so I – and it doesn't tell you who's picked what until you click. So I clicked what I thought was reasonable expectation considering that I spoke with Coach Beheim And Jim said, you know, we could be better than I think. You know, and that would be gravy. But you know, we're, we're we're building right now for sure. This is not a team that I'm going to expect to win 30 games or whatever. So, with that said, I clicked 10 to 20 games because I think if they win 20 in that division, that could be a berth for them as a high seed in the NCAA tournament, which I think would be a really good year for them. Anytime you go to the tournament, I think that's a good year. So I clicked that. 51 percent of the people clicked that. That was the most predominant choice. And that's where the mindset is right now. It is. We'll it sit is on there. those thoughts. We will come back talk SU. Hoops as they played their scrimmage on uh, Friday night. Of course, before uh, before I go to break, I want to remind you that Nature Boy 30 for 30 is happening very soon. I'm going to hook you up right now with your chance to win the entire 30 for 30 library. You're also going to get a free meal and a Q&A with Brent Axe. This is happening Thursday, November 2nd. An exclusive behind-the-scenes look at a legendary wrestler before it airs on TV. Caller number five right now at 315-4ESPN44. That is 437-7644. We'll come back, talk Cuse Hoops on the Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Did you miss In the Booth with Matt Park? Joe Zagaki, the voice of the University of Miami. Well, I guess we have to wait and see where the investigation goes. Nothing has been official, and uh, there have been some fingers pointed. Miami coach Larinaga says that his program has done nothing wrong. He's turned over all of his records, his phone records, and recruiting records. In the Booth, two to three weekdays. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Brent Axe 4 to 6, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is a special presentation, The Daniel Baldwin Show. Congratulations to Don. He's going to check out the Nature Boy 30 for 30 at an advanced screening coming up Thursday, November 2nd. We are hooking you up all day long on ESPN Radio, so keep that number saved. 315-4-ESPN-44. That is 
seven six forty four. Let's play. Let's play the winner game. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yeah. So who won? Don. Don Maynard. Don Mattingly. <laughs> what? Do, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just Don yeah. Shula. Don. Uh, Don Imus. Don Imus. No, no, athlete. <laughs> it's a sports show. Oh, we're doing Don's. Oh, do, oh, do let me throw you another one. All right. Dandy Don Meredith. Don. Don Don Leprechaun. I don't know. You're asking me. You're asking me questions. <laughs> and that means you lose when I you know. can't return. Yeah, so that's you. over. First thank round you. of the winner's game, and it goes to the great one. The great one has spoken. Yes. Uh, quickly, uh, Q's basketball as we move forward to the next sport. Now, we still got. What th- three, four? Uh, yeah, we have four football games left, but we you have know, the scrimmage on Friday. In, 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 the, the more fascinating thing to me, it, it, I'm, I'm a diehard Syracuse fan. You know, long family legacy. I love Jim Beheim. I think he's a legend, and and I love and I love all Syracuse athletics. Um, but but I got to say. How fickle is it that we lose to number eight yeah. on the road? Yeah. In the fourth quarter, we were in the game, and immediately a poll comes out to talk about the basketball team. <laughs> I mean, it's like, wow, man. It, it's tough to keep them happy. You're in it now, Daniel. Woo. See, you, you could observe from afar before, but now that you're back in CNY, you can see how fickle Syracuse fans are. Wow, and the man. first time that uh, that Jim Beheim loses a game, they'll start calling for man-on-man instead of zone and... Yeah, yeah, it's like watching the movie Hoosiers. Yes, we yep. don't have time. What kind of offense you run, boy? Uh, yeah. A lot of the guys showcase Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, Matthew Moyer. A lot of these guys showcasing Friday nights. Like you said, it's it's a it's we've played a scrimmage for God's sake. We don't know what's going on out there. How do you determine who's on the orange and who's on the white? That's a good question. You know, I mean, so how do you break that team up? Did you they load draw up it out of the hat? You know, is it an even thing, or are we are we playing the starters against the other guys? In <laughs> which wish. case, in which case, who's orange and who's white? I'm betting big. Yeah, you know, I, I bet there's some really deep sports reason that it's orange and white. Like, well, the guys who have a rebound percentage, and we don't know it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We wouldn't know it. Do you but really think it's that deep? I bet you. I guarantee. Well, come on, you some, it's I guarantee not. you, Brent Axe comes in here and he knows the exact reason. I think it has to do with looking in the mirror and what uniform you look better in. You say, yes. I'm wearing the white. I really look good in orange. And then and you I'm wear it out there. this week. <laughs> you really wear it out there, you look good. Uh, but you've talked to Coach. You know what he said. He said this is a year. He doesn't want to throw all his cards out there because, you know, as he did last season, you come out there and say you got the best team he's ever had. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but the best team he's ever had, and then look what happens. And Right. Well, you know, I, I think he's um, a smart enough coach when, when you're not 100% sure. And, and, and listen – you can have a great team on paper, but at the end of the day, they have to play the games. So, you know, in basketball, you can lose, you know, three or four games that you probably should have won and still go. At the end of the day, you just want to go to the tournament mm-hmm. and then see what happens. When we won it all last with Carmelo, you know, I I don't think that that was a team that he expected was going to win the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. for sure. So, you know, are we going to have that kind of year? Unfortunately, when you win a few times, that's the year that only makes people happy. You yeah. Know? So, so they're kind of ravenous here. You know, we haven't won in a while, and so they're they're going to want to see that. Now we've gone to the Final Four. You know, which is which is great, but it's like kissing your sister, isn't it? Really? I mean, so you know, if you're well, what, may, what are you trying may, to say? well, maybe not as good as kissing your sister. But, <laughs> but, but, I was going to say delightful, but but, but, it, but, it, but it's close, depending yeah, right. upon if there's tongues involved. Oh my goodness! Um, hey, we'll be right back. <laughs> I see a text um, from your sister coming I do, in very I, soon. I, I see, I see the great Ed Levine approaching. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, and a very special and last edition. Yeah, that's right. Uh, um, uh, you, you know, I, I think he's smart enough that he plays things close to his vest 
also considering exactly what you said last year, he thought he had one of the better teams that he's had in his career. And therefore I would look at last year as falling short of expectations. When a coach says that, that his, you know, legacy and his pedigree are that he's one of the finest coaches in college basketball. And then you fall short. Boy, oh boy, next year I could have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the team. And I'm going to say, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know sure, what I mean? right. So, I wouldn't want to say too much, right. So I, I, I don't know whether to get, you know, a, a, a real barometer on it of not expecting much. Or is it better to surprise them by being better than he said you were going to be? So I don't know yet. They're going to have to play the games we're going to find out. But one thing for sure. We will be there to tell you what happened for sure. You always underpromise and overdeliver. It's what I do in my love life, and I think that holds true with sports. There is, it's very, very true. Say it's, gonna, very, it's very not going to be that great, and then when you're mediocre, they're surprised. Bringing back new definition to fourth and inches, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we will come back, close out with some NFL. Spend time talking NFL. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio Syracuse. The home of the Giants. Play fake, Manning pops it, throws it over the middle, completes it underneath. Odell Beckham Jr. racing into the end zone for the touchdown. He turned on the Jets on the slant. Giants football is brought to you by Burdick Lexus. Third and goal from three. Manning out of the gun, takes the snap, he's back to throw. He has time, throws it to the end zone, touchdown Giants. The home of the Giants. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Real customer, real experience. Here's Carlene from North Syracuse. This is Dan Levitard from beautiful, sunny South Beach in Miami. You're listening to ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1 in Syracuse, New York. This is a special presentation, The Daniel Baldwin Show. Daniel Baldwin Show live on the air, ESPN Radio Syracuse 4, ESPN 44 is that phone number when you want to get involved. NFL, Buffalo Bills, first of all, your second place Buffalo Bills over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yesterday, bumping them up three positions in the power rankings, they're in 10th place right now. You, you like the Bills, you like their upcoming week, right? You know, the Bills have Oakland at home. Uh, I, I really, for them to hang with New England and, and, and be taken seriously, they've got to take care of business at home against Oakland. So I like the Bills. I like uh, what they're doing right now. Four and two. Uh, I look for them to be five and two after this weekend. I think they handle Oakland at home. Uh, I'm not going to predict a score. Tonight, though, tonight falls under my special my special statistics oh. that I have explained already on the show, and that is... In a game in the NFL, when a team is an interdivisional home dog, they cover 72% of the time against the point spread. On a Monday night football game, a team that is an interdivisional home dog, Washington and Philadelphia, are in the same division. They're in the NFC East. Washington is home getting six points. You say five and a half. I see it as six, according to the two sources that I looked at in Vegas, which means Run, run, run with Washington. Washington is a 95%, 95% of the teams cover as interdivisional home dogs on Monday night since Monday night football inception. The great one has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you're saying the Redskins are easy money tonight. I'm, well, I'm, listen, does that mean 95% that they don't ever lose when they're interdivisional? Mm-hmm. But very rarely. So... I mean, I'm going to take that stat and I'm going to make some money by betting it every time it happens. Even if it's one point, I'm going to bet the interdivisional home dog on Monday Night Football because it's an astronomical percentage of the time that they cover. So just on that stat alone, 
I'm taking the Washington Redskins. Now, now for the great one to give you what you need to feel in college, I will tell you that I cannot believe, and I don't have statistics to back this up, that TCU at poised at number four right now and looking to stay in the top four is on the road playing Iowa State, and they're giving six points on the road. TCU is going to beat them by 20 or more points, as sure as I'm sitting here in front of you, the great one has spoken. Wow. The great one is on fire. TCU minus the wood on the road to stay undefeated. Giants uh, went back to their regular schedule program of losing yesterday to the Seahawks 24-7. But the news that you just were breaking off air involves a player who's not even on the field right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I have sources that tell me, although you can look this up and you'll find some some mention of it, and, and, and it's not being taken very seriously, but that Tony Romo was contacted by the Green Bay Packers. And what would it take for him to come back to his home state and poise himself for a playoff run quarterbacking the Green Bay Packers? So now I don't know what kind of shape Tony's in. I don't know what he's been doing since he was injured, but certainly he's had plenty of time to rest. He can adapt very quickly as a very successful NFL quarterback. Does it interest him to step out of the booth? It's going to be waiting for him should he make a run right now. Will he quarterback the Green Bay Packers? And the great one is told he is seriously contemplating making this move. The question will be, how quickly could he be ready? Is this just a couple of weeks before he'd be able to step in? Mm-hmm. Would Green Bay still be interested in just a couple of weeks? You know, we're only midway through the year here, so not even midway. So, you know, I mean, if he could be ready by game 9 or 10, and we'll see how the backup does, but, man, Tony Romo with the Green Bay Packers – setting up an NFC clash with his with his Dallas Cowboys. Man, wouldn't that be fun to watch? And you were saying something interesting off-air as somebody who's spoken a lot with these guys from the NFL. They get out, and it's still in them. They want to get back in and play. Well, what happens is they're, they're usually ready, you know, even the ones that go out the right way. You know, so you look at a guy like John Elway. That's a perfect example. He goes out. He, you know, gets the monkey off his back. He wins a couple in Denver. You know, now it's no longer John Elway was a great quarterback, but he never won. And you give him, you know, the Dan Marino twist or whatever you want to say. Um, but no, now he's won. And I'll tell you what, I know a lot of the greatest quarterbacks that ever lived. I've played golf with every one of them. And they have a hard time adjusting from, and they'll tell you. I remember Marino telling me, and the same thing that John Elway told me, which was, I miss the locker room. I miss the camaraderie. I miss, you know, the juice of getting ready and preparing and, you know, and the amount of conversation and communication with the coaching staff. That all goes away when you're done. That all goes, even if you're in the booth. You know, you go home and it's exciting to be home with your kids and watch them now in their, their latter teenage years. But it's not the same as going to work. So I don't know if any of that has affected Tony. I would imagine that he's not unlike any other NFL quarterback. You know, that pressure and that attention and everything, it's not the same when you're not playing anymore. So maybe the allure of going to – obviously he's not going to go quarterback the New York Jets, no matter how much money it is. But to go to a team that could go deep into the playoffs that's not playing badly right now and instantaneously not have to win the starting spot, they'd have to guarantee him a bunch of different things. And it would probably be subject to you know his, his physical uh, needs and, and how hard this would be for him. But hey, you know he had a back injury. He's had a lot of time to heal up right now. I don't think it's that far-fetched. It's something that you hear a lot, too, with guys who have either been in the military or played on teams is they like that camaraderie. They like that feeling of a pack, of a, of a tribe, of a team. So it draws you back in. And if there's an opening, if there's an opportunity in your home state, why not take it? Well, there's, there's, you know, there's things people will talk about being an adrenaline junkie, and there has to be a certain amount of adrenaline that just naturally fires through your heart. 
when you run out that tunnel and gigantic men are trying to twist your head off, you know, and you're, and you're all working together to, towards a common goal of winning a football game, you can't replace that. Mm-hmm. You can't replace that. No, no matter how many trapezes you buy and how many sexy outfits you get, you're not going to replace that kind of juice. And it's interesting, know. too, because you look at it like I'm looking at Bleacher Report right now saying, well, should they sign Kaepernick instead? It's, it's all over the place. And I think that Romo would be a good fit for himself. Yeah, you know, I, I, unfortunately for Colin, I think that we're still so immersed in it, and, it, and it's dying down. But you know, it, Jerry Jones, it's, it's now surfaced again in Dallas. Does he have the right to tell people that they're not going to play? Well, of course he does. He owns the team. He can say whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. He owns the team, so he can say this guy's going. To, I, mean, I remember going to an Oakland Raiders game and sitting with Al Davis in his, and he literally had just like you'd see the president has the red phone. He'd pick the red phone up, and it would ring instantaneously to the sideline. He'd go throw it long. Throw it long. And the next play was a bomb. Wow. Because he called the play. I watched them do it. Throw it long. <laughs> Don't forget. I'm sitting there with him and Ann Margaret. I'm with Ann Margaret in the booth trying to smooth talk her. It didn't work. And, uh, and, and, and she was 60, and I still was trying to smooth talk her. <laughs> Yeah, she was so smoking hot. That's fine. I don't blame yeah, her. Believe me, I was in. The great one was trying to predict all kinds of things. <laughs> the great one uh, has needs. None of which have. No, yes, yes, he does. I, I don't uh, think you're far off, Daniel. I think that you're probably uh, ahead of something. I'm looking at a bunch of reports saying that uh, Tony Romo is likely to go to the Packers. There's an option to go to the Packers. Now, I use the word likely. Probably not likely, but th- th- there's a lot of discussion happening around this. Do you remember in the movie The Natural, and they take... Robert Redford, they take Roy Hobbs, you know, out of the hospital and they bring him and they turn the lights on at the stadium and they throw him batting practice. Do you remember that? Yeah. That's exactly what's going on here. Yeah. If there is any consideration, they're not blindly going to offer Tony. They're going to bring him somewhere really quiet, an indoor practice facility and say, Tony, run around a little bit and throw the ball. (laughs) They know what he can do. Right. But what can he do right now? How prepared is he? You know, what's going to happen? And it's more than likely he's going to get hit. Mm -hmm. You know, so doctors are going to examine his back and they're going to come up with all kinds of stress tests and all kinds of things they're going to do for him. It'll be a week or so. They're not in any rush. I bet he could be working out right now, getting ready. Who knows? We have no idea. They don't want to make that announcement until they see how he holds up and what's going to happen when he gets hit. You know, that's the big question. You're not going to be able to simulate that because they're not going to have him take test hits or have him practice. He's going to walk on the field and start, or he's not. So, uh, but you know what? I like the sound of it. I like I like the drama and the pageantry of it. Tony Romo in Green Bay in front of the home crowd. It's got a ring to it. It's got a ring to it. Daniel Baldwin, Nostradamus, always ahead of the curve. He knows what's coming up. And of course, Monday Night Football tonight. You can hear it right here on ESPN. Redskins, Eagles. The great one has said the Redskins are your easy money on that one. Take the interdivisional home dog. <laughs> Red Axe is up next. We'll be back on Wednesday. Thank you so much, Daniel Baldwin. Get involved at ESPN Syracuse. This is ESPN Radio.